Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Mickey Spagnola with us. 365 Sports on Thursdays at around 5.30. He joins us. Cowboys coming off what was uh, the win against the Chargers in L.A. Mickey, I was going to ask you this. I said, I'm going to ask you this about, was that a good defensive game, or was that as hard to cover and watch as it was for me? It was pretty hard to watch just because the officials decided they were going to take over the game and call 20 or 20 penalties that were accepted. Because on several plays, there were multiple penalties on the same play. Mm-hmm. So it kind of disrupted the flow of – there was no flow to the game, as a matter of fact. And and on, on the biggest, basically, play on the uh, – I called it the Keystone Cops punt. There was a face mask, a hands-to-the-face by the guy that was blocking Jalen Tolbert that – we don't need to call that. We'll just let this mad scramble take place. Uh, Buck, during the conversation on the air, obviously, with Troy Aikman, how many times during the play, if you guys watched the game, did you hear him say there's a flag on the play? At least, I guess at least 20, maybe 27. I don't know, but it just seemed like that that was more than anything else. It's caught for 17 yards. Number one, why does that happen to the Cowboys? And why does it happen on national TV? Well, because the Cowboys Cowboys are a dirty team, Mickey. That's it, bottom line. I mean, they had 11 and the Chargers had nine. I know. It's like, why can't that happen when, I don't know, Cleveland plays Tampa Bay? It's always the Cowboys. These guys are going to set a record for penalties called. Unbelievable. But to answer your question, that's why it was hard to watch because there was just no flow to it. Mickey, Michael Gallup uh, had a lot of targets the other night. He has not got gotten going yet really this year. Now, the offense hasn't really gotten going to the way that they expected to this year. You had said that he, he looked like his old self working through all this. Where do you think the disconnect is coming with Michael Gallup right now? You know, I'm not real sure. Um, you know, he's had some opportunities. Um, you know, one of them, he's got a catch. I think the other one was a little high. I know there was a couple, um, and he just seems to be involved in all these kind of contested plays. Like, I don't know if he's not completely getting open, if the passes aren't more perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean, in training camp, he, I, I swear he was lighting it up. Um, I mean, it just seems like, these last couple of games, there was a huge disconnect 
uh, on this offense. I mean, if you look at three of the last four games, they hadn't scored more than 20 points. And the, the 20 was this game. Would they have 16 against Arizona and 10 against San Francisco? So it's, it's almost like this, this offense has been on a roller coaster. They either they score 40 or they score 15, you know? Um, and I think that's something that's got to be fixed. I, I was writing about it for tomorrow in, in my column that so far after six games, Dak's got six touchdown passes. That factors out to 17 for the season, which would be an eight-year career low, uh, except for, you know, the 2020 season when he only played five games. But even playing five games in 2020, he had nine touchdown passes before the ankle injury. So, yeah, they've got to find a better continuity to this offense if they expect to go where they want to go. Otherwise, the defense better not give up more than 17 points. And God forbid if they give up 42 Mm. They also haven't gotten the running game going. How much do you attribute that to the offensive line hasn't played uh, a, more than a couple full games together? Yeah, I think that's part of it. But again, you know, they were winning games with backups playing on the offensive line. Um, I know they've only been together for two weeks since twenty the end of the 2021 season. Or to let's put it this way to have their projected starting five on the field at the same time. So not only have they not played in games, but they've only had two weeks of practice, which constitutes one padded practice in each of those two weeks. So, I mean, look around the league. The teams that are probably doing the best are the ones that haven't suffered injuries on the offensive line. They're just not enough offensive linemen to go around. And I think you've heard me say this before, that that's why the alternative leagues struggle because there's not enough offensive line for the NFL, let alone to, you know, supplement, uh, what, eight games, ten games, whatever they play with offensive linemen. Uh, Because let's face it, no one grows up and says, boy, I want to be a guard. Right? Well, that's me. Anybody ever heard anybody say that? Paul, did you? No, look, they made me one. I wanted to be a fullback. <laughs> See, you know, it, it reminds me, it, it stopped me if you heard this before. Oh, maybe you got different listeners. You remember Joe Brodsky, the old Cowboys uh, yep. Yep. Uh, running back coach? Well, he was a very successful high school coach uh, in uh, the Miami area. And one day we got into this discussion about putting a roster together. And he goes, well, look, here's what happens when I was in high school, when I was coaching high school. We got the first first day of practice. We got all the guys together. So you start doing all these drills, and he goes, well, I find the best athlete, and that's my quarterback. The next best athlete, uh, he's my running back. After that, it's like, okay, these guys are pretty fast. Now, who can catch the ball? All right, you're my wide receivers, and if you can't catch but you got speed, you're my cornerback. 
Then you find your defensive end and your linebackers. And, and he basically filled out the whole, all the guys. And he goes, oh, and all the rest of you guys, you're on the offensive line. And, and there's some truth to it, right? right? No one says I want to be a center. Uh, and so, you know, and we. They wouldn't let me do that either. Right. <laughs> hey, I got a chance to do it only, only off to the side because I would never play, right? So when they were practicing, I would deep snap to the poor kicker um, because he needed somebody to do it because the guy that was going to do it in the game had to, had to practice, right? So, yeah, I just think we, the offensive line, there's, there's not enough of them. And, and the way they're trained in college, and you guys see, you know, the college games, they're, they're not run blocking, right? They're, they're, they're just sitting up and trying to pass block. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, and, and then the, here's the other thing. And Mike McCarthy's talked about this. The hardest, the hardest group to put together is the offensive line. And in the off season, they don't allow them to practice, right? You can't put pads on. So how do you play offensive line without practicing with pads on? You got to sit there and play with your hands, right? You play patty cake. And then you get to training camp, and it's like, well, now we can't have too many practices and only so many with pads on. And, and so that group, which is the hardest to prepare, doesn't get enough work. And during the season, one padded practice a week. Mickey, how so, much – I'm sorry. No, that's what I was saying. I was just going to say, so it's difficult. And, and it's difficult to have enough of those guys, let alone if you get injuries and have to replace them with somebody that barely makes the roster. So a week before they get smothered by San Francisco, the, the you know, the everything, earthquake. And then how much on the weekend, because this thing with Sandy with the Chargers could have gone either way. And, and we know that. And yet it's the same weekend that they somehow find a way in an ugly game, but they find a way where Philadelphia and San Francisco both lose. That's the NFL, right? Every time you make come to a conclusion after one game, uh, it gets wiped out the next. Like the Cowboys lose forty-two to ten, they're never going to win another game, and San Francisco's never going to lose one because they're the best football team on God's green earth. And then they get beat nineteen seventeen when the rookie kicker misses the game winner from forty-one yards. Which, by the way got to appreciate Brandon Aubrey because his game winner was from 40, 39 yards and he made it. So that was the difference between the Cowboys winning and San Francisco losing uh, this past weekend. And, and, and Aubrey's missed. Aubrey's made now 16 straight. He's 16 for 16 to start his career. He's too short of the all-time NFL record for most field goal consecutive field goals made to start a career. You know who's got the record? Some guy from Cleveland by the name of Travis Coon in twenty fifteen. You remember him, don't you? Oh absolutely. <laughs> Poster of him on the wall. I was about to mention Luke Rosa or the yeah. guy that played in two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I mean that you know that what he's done is is, is is pretty darn remarkable, but 
this whole season so far from the Cowboys, six games, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, and they've played four of the six on the road, by the way, and three of them on, on the coast, either left or right. And all those night games. So the travel at some point, you know, I'm not making an excuse, but it, it, it takes a ton. Yeah. Mickey, um, Micah Parsons, of course, he made the big play at the end of the game, but both San Francisco and the Chargers had um, pretty effective ways of, of play calling around him and keeping him from being the factor that he's been in earlier games. The bye week probably falls at a great time for Dan Quinn to figure out what he can do to kind of relight that candle, doesn't it? Uh, come at me again. We, we kind of got... Uh... Oh, so yeah. So Micah Parsons, uh, not as much of a factor the last couple of weeks. Of course, the end of the game, he had the sack, which you can't, you know, hold him down that long. Do you think that this week Dan Quinn is in the lab trying to figure out what the other teams have figured out to try to keep Micah from being the just absolute hurricane force wins that he's been? Well, I think part of it is, and I understand his pass rush capabilities. He, did you see the, the the play he had the sack on? Yeah. He 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 initially gets double teamed by the center and the guard because he's lined up as a defensive tackle, and then he beats the block of the fullback or the running back to get to the quarterback. Well, when he's on the edge, either people are running right at him, or they're double teaming him. That's why I like the fact that they were forced. And I don't know how many staffs it was, but a lot in the second half to play linebacker and not have his, you know, standing there on the line of scrimmage where they know where he's at. At some point, teams are like, okay, we're going to sacrifice something, but that dude's not beating me anymore. I know if he lines up there, we're double teaming him and we'll set our blocking scheme. And I think that's happening more and more. And, uh, you know, now, there's stubborn coaches out there, you guys, where, by God, my tackle can take care of that. I'm not changing. Well, okay, don't change, and he's going to beat you probably five times, six times a game. But at linebacker, they can move him around, and he, he, he's off the line of scrimmage, and it's harder to double-team a linebacker than it is a true defensive end. That's why, you know, the sack he got, he was, he was lined up as – they had a four-man front, and he was lined up as a defensive tackle. Now, one of the ways they've tried to free him up is playing a five-man front and put him outside the defensive end. So now you got a choice. You want to double-team DeMarcus Lawrence, or you want to single him and double uh, Micah Parsons. So, and in spite of all that, he's on pace to have a sack a game, which would get you to 17. Yeah, they, they people they're gonna they're gonna find ways, and he'll have to react. Dan Quinn have to put him in other positions, but when the game was on the line, they needed that one big play to seal it. They got it from him. And Mickey, as always, we appreciate your time. Didn't get a chance to talk much about the Rams, the Eagles in two weeks, but you got to worry about the Rams first after what was a critical win to not go to three and three, but go to four and two against the Chargers. We appreciate your time. Have a great weekend. Okay, thanks, David. Mickey. And just remember this, five of the next seven games are at home. Absolutely. Rams at home, Eagles on the road, Giants at home, who they always beat, 
Uh, and then the Panthers on the road, and they, of course, are struggling in Washington, the commanders at home, who they most of the time beat them to. Yeah. They got three games in a row at Washington, yeah. Seattle. That's that Thanksgiving right. run. Right. Yeah. That, the back, wow. the, the, the post thanks, the Thanksgiving and after run is devastating yeah, for yeah. the Cowboys. Eagles, when the Seahawks aren't bad, Seahawks at home, but the Eagles at home, the Bills and Dolphins and the Lions, you know, okay, five and one right now. And then the last game against Washington in D.C. Uh, or wherever that stadium is. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.